The one thing I don't like about Medieval Times is that they, apparently they don't let you have your own utensils. Like, oh, yeah, they right. make you yeah. eat by, with your hands, and I, I, no, I, I eat with forks and knives. I am fully ingratiated into the 21st century. I, I'm fully ingratiated in the 18th century where they use forks and knives. No, when they come by and they say, here's your pita, I'm going to say, okay, drop the act. Just give me my fork and knife, please. <laughs> Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, with your hosts Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina? What, Doc? So I wanted to talk to you about something today that we have not talked about a lot. I don't think you and I have even personally talked about this a lot, and that is an organization called the Society for Creative anachronism or the SCA. What is this? I don't think we've talked about this at all. You're right. Right. So the SCA is a medieval recreation group. Okay. It's a not it's not a show. It's a it's like a club, I guess, or an organization like that. It's not for profit. It was founded in the oh mid to late sixties. It had a very you know, looking at early documents and early pictures from there that time, it had a much more hippie-ish vibe. I think it was founded in Berkeley, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all inclusive. In fact, one of the ways that they make sure it's inclusive is that one thing that they don't deal with are religious things. Okay. So you're not gonna be you're not gonna find someone being a a priest or that kind of thing. What the people do in the SCA is they will take on a persona, their medieval persona. Uh, And in fact, they call what you'd consider your real life persona. They would call it, they would call it their mundane persona, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So very often I will have met people in the SCA and I will sometimes not know their mundane name or what we would normally say would be their actual name. And what they'll do is they'll have a persona and the persona will be someone usually placed in a very specific time period or, or place. And then they will dress like that person and they'll do crafts like that person and they'll do combat weapons that that kind of person would have, or they will cook the kinds of foods that, that that person would do. Mm Mm-hmm. Normally the phrase they use or the term they use is period. That is to say the period with which someone would live. So something that an SCA person would say about something being very authentic, they wouldn't say it's authentic. Normally they would say that's so period. That's so period. And say that's something's period is normally a compliment. And they don't reenact particular things. So there isn't like, like civil war reenactors will get together. I guess there are different, there are two different kinds of civil war reenactors, but often they'll get together to do a particular battle. Like we're going to reenact the battle of Gettysburg or the battle of this or the battle of that. They don't do specific battles when they do combat. It's a straight up tournament style combat, uh, real weapons, heavy armor. So it's not, we call buffer weapons. They don't use styrofoam. They use real weapons. They pad their oh. armor really well. So they, so they don't hurt each other. It's hardcore. Uh, they are hardcore. And, you actually can achieve certain kinds of rank in the SCA through combat. Um, not everyone does combat. There are there are three orders in the SCA. Essentially, one that deals with combat, one that deals with arts and crafts, and one that deals with service. And I would say most SCAers, even if their main thing isn't the arts and crafts, almost all have some kind of craft that they do. So they'll get together um, most weekends somewhere 
in I've, in fact, I would bet that almost every single weekend somewhere in America, there's going to be an SCA event. You, when you go to it, you can't go to watch. You have to be part of it. Mm-hmm. You dress in period style. You know, anything you have that's not period, like your cell phone or anything has to be hidden. Do you basically live like a medieval person during that time? When you say using real weapons and you say period accurate and that's so period, this is something where someone does a lot of research. Someone is a, this is not a hobby. I I would assume anyone who is involved with the SCA is deeply involved. Like they're doing a lot of research. They're doing a lot of reading. They're probably exchanging ideas. This is not a... Uh, oh, I'm going to wear a crown and tinsel for the weekend sort of thing. Right. It is more, I, I, I would say it's accurate to say it's not really a hobby. It's it's more of a lifestyle. So I have been off and on a member of the SCA for about, I think 2007 was the first time I joined the SCA so that I could attend an event. And I will let my membership lapse for several years at a time and then I'll want to do something. And I, and the problem is I just don't have the time to keep up. The mm-hmm. people who are involved with the SCA are often really deeply involved. You'll go to an SCA event and you'll find that people have these really elaborate setups for their own. Maybe they build a yurt, a period yurt or a kind of hut or something, and they make their own bed uh, and all these kinds of things. And they'll haul in these trailers And then they'll set up and then they'll pull the trailers off to some parking lot far away where you can't see it. Some SCA events can last over a week. Uh, They have major battles uh, that last, you know, over a week, I think two weeks, but I've never been to one of those. Even these weekend events, there are people whom I've met who will go every weekend or almost every weekend that they can. They will be not living in their regular home. They'll be off in some other state participating in some SCA event. So yeah, they're really hardcore. There are some scholars who are involved with the SCA, but most SCAers are not scholars or just people who are interested in it. It's mm-hmm. also, by the way, you, you can't be a particular person. So you can't really say, I want to be King Henry II. That was my next question. Like yeah. when you become a member, what's stopping you from just saying, well, I am like lady so-and-so from such and such kingdom. So you can call yourself whatever you want. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously there are some cultural limitations where people just won't accept some things. Mm-hmm. But to when you become a member, one of the part of it is you can kind of register your name and your heraldry with a committee. And I cannot recall the name. It might be the, the Council of Heralds or something like that. I, I now suddenly I can't remember the name of it. My apologies to SCAers out there who are listening to this. And they are hardcore about was that you picked a name. First of all, was this a real person? You can't be that, you know, was you picked a name. Is that a name that could have been around at that time? Is this, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's not, that's not going to work. Is this, Mm. you know, that kind of thing. Also, you can't be a fantasy person. So if you want to be an elf or Aragorn uh, (laughs) uh, from Lord of the Rings or something, nope, you have to be something that's real. Now, within that context, you can be something plausible. So, for example, a lot of SCAers, I find maybe the majority of them, are not interested in just being, I want to be a someone from 12th century France. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're like, mm, I'm interested in Scotland and France. So they come up with some story for their character that's plausible, for their persona that's plausible, where, well, 
his father is from Scotland and then he settled in France because of this and married a French woman. And thus I have some plausible reason to mix Scottish and French cultural things in my clothing or in my weaponry or in the crafts I'm doing. As long as it's plausible, I think you can, you'll normally get a lot of leeway. If it's not plausible enough though, uh, they will reject it. And you'll, sorry, you're not that thing. When you say reject, like, is there someone going around to like police what you're wearing or what you're doing or what you're making? It's funny you should use the word police because they have a slang term. Uh, this is not an official name of what they call the period police. And oh, this God. is this is more cultural where there are people who it is their self-appointed role to say, like, uh, well, that's not appropriate to the period or, you know, it's sort of, I guess, period shaming people. I think the period police are a little bit like us. You know, the temperature of a room, mm-hmm. the temperature I like is perfect. If it's hotter than that, it's too hot. If it's colder than that, it's too cold. But the temperature I like is the right temperature. And I think it's true. Like if they are more interested in period things than I am, they're the period police. If they're less interested, well, they're just some sort of filthy casual who's not taking the SCA seriously enough. The amount that I take it seriously is the appropriate amount. Now there are, when you like create a persona for yourself, you do kind of officially register that with the SCA. So for example, I have a a name that I use, Wolfstan of Wolfanchestershire, but my name is not officially registered, so I don't exist in any official thing, mostly because I just didn't want to do, I'm a medieval scholar and I didn't want to have to do the research to demonstrate that what I know off the top of my head is a completely legitimate persona. Some yeah. guy who lived in uh, Wittanchestershire in Anglo-Saxon England would be named Wolfstan. Not strange, right? There isn't a particular famous person named Wolfstan from Wittanchestershire, so... I know I would be fine, but I had to put together all the paperwork and I just I wasn't active enough to do that. I see. I sometimes will tell people it's a lot nerdier than you're imagining it to be. And you're probably imagining it to be very nerdy. It's a lot nerdier than even that. And it's also a lot more fun. It is a total blast. And the other interesting thing, like when I talk, I've just sort of vaguely talk about crafts. The things that I think interest people in it first are the combat, Right. They are interested in the archery. They're interested in fighting with a battle axe or fighting with a sword or learning how to use a shield. So you can buy armor. You can buy those things with cash. Mm-hmm. But that is, and it is allowed in the SCA, but it's not really SCA way. The SCA way is bartering. And so mm. if I want, and you can't be an expert in everything. So let's say that I want a shield. Well, what I might do is become a really good leather worker and make shoes and leather things for people that are in period. And then I'll barter my shoes for a shield. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. There are people who are scribes who do, who do manuscripts. Uh, there are people, I met a guy who plats his own rope. I met a couple who they do wool and they will only shear their sheep using medieval methods of shearing, even though you never see that. They could totally be cheating. But I know for sure the way they talked about it, they were legit. Nope, we're only going to shear these sheep in medieval ways and yeah. process the wool in medieval ways. I wouldn't know what the what the wool was like. When people cook, they cook in medieval style. Oh, I shall say every there's there are shires and kingdoms. It is divided up sort of organizationally that way. But in every mm-hmm. in every kingdom, there's a sort of cadre, usually of women. There are sometimes a few men. They know how to take the simplest of medieval ingredients and turn out a magnificent feast. Uh, One of the main reasons 
that I can't be more deeply involved in uh, the SCA besides I just don't have the time to devote to it is the issue of I cannot feast every single weekend the way that they <laughs> feast. It's like you're going to a wedding every week. It's, it's wonderful. It is just a delight. And they're just they're just really great. A literal king's feast every single weekend. It is a literal king's feast. And speaking of which, are there kings and queens of these of the SCA? Yes. So every six months. So there are different kingdoms. And the U.S. is definitely the center of it. Uh, there is a kingdom in, I think there's only one kingdom in Europe, as I recall. I think I heard that there was now a kingdom in Asia, but I don't know. I haven't been keeping up. But there are multiple kingdoms in, in America. And every six months you get a new king and queen and you earn it through combat. But you have wow. to go to, you can't just do it in one fight. I mean, there's like, it's basically this whole huge tournament style. Now, there is a corporate body that does all the like official business. So truly being king and queen is a more of a figurehead position uh, mm -hmm. than anything else. But they take those positions really seriously. And I met someone who had been king three times and he had been involved really, really a long time. I remember seeing, asking him about what his crafts were and every single thing that he, every weapon he had blacksmith himself, every, every item of clothes he had made himself, uh, you know, everything was every ornament, every piece of jewelry he had made himself and not traded for. So he was serious. He'd been three times king and I, that's the most I think I've heard. There might be a limit on how many times you can do it, but because you have to go to so many different combats, you have to devote a lot of time. To this and some queens have won by combat as well i will say uh there was a, a one event i was at where i saw this uh dwarf and i thought wow this uh, someone i thought like why i can't believe they're letting someone get away with dressing like a medieval dwarf you know this short stocky figure uh, and he had on this uh you know this big helmet and his beard his braided red beard was coming out from underneath his helmet and he was fighting i believe with a battle axe and i thought this person's clearly role-playing a dwarf i shouldn't say role-playing a dwarf their, their persona is clearly a dwarf and that is not allowed you know this tolkien style dwarf and the dwarf won the combat and pulled off the helmet and suddenly i, no I realized it was a woman <laughs> with long red braided hair who had to wrap it around to the front of her she was short she wasn't stocky she was so padded up because the combat was so hard she looked like a short stocky dwarf with a braided beard until she took that helmet off and whipped it around it was a it was a wonderful uh, it was an it was moment. moment yes a day one moment right yep. except i was the only one who didn't already know who she was she was serious a serious uh sca -er. yeah so yeah i mean they are it's really interesting i would recommend people dip their toe in to it but I would also say, beware. It's a little yeah. bit like cocaine. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't try it unless you're willing to change your life for it. <laughs> so, well, that's that's my that's another question yeah. is because it's not something you just observe. It's something you are you have to participate in. For newcomers, what are what's some advice that you have? What's it like for someone to just show up if you don't have any experience doing that and you have some mild curiosity? So I'll give one of my recommendations now. I have two recommendations. I'll give one now, which is a blog post okay. I wrote in 2007 called An Outsider's View of the SCA. And that's on the Unlocked Word Horde blog. And you can find that uh, on the show notes page. 
if you just Google an outsider's view of the SCA, you'll probably find it. And it's really me going to the first event I had. It's got pictures and things. You know, I'm sure some things have changed in the 13 years since I, I did that, but maybe not that much has changed. So I would recommend if you go, assume that you will participate in some way. Now you're not going to fight because you have not been trained. They have a marshal whose job it is to prepare people. But you will have to dress. Most of the time, if you contact the Shire or Kingdom or Barony or all the different things, if you just look for your area, you can find the area that you live in, what the local organization is. They will help you. They will make sure that you have the, the have loaner garb, they'll say. And they can loan you a, uh, you know, like a, usually it's a tea tunic, something very simple that you can wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go and experience it. So I would say go, go ready to experience things. No one expects you to be super period because you're just starting, but they will be super period. Also, I would Mm -hmm. say be a little wary of one thing, which is the SCAers love to talk about what they love. Yeah. If you walk up to someone and say, oh, nice necklace, they might say thank you, but you are likely to get a half hour long dissertation on where the necklace style came from, what books they used, what images they found, where the collections is of necklaces, how they adapted it. So yeah, they are serious and you're going to find some really interesting things. And there are little nooks and crannies. Like every time I dip my toe into the SCA again, I find that there's another little nook or cranny that I, of it that I didn't know about. And right now, probably some if there's anyone who's an SCA or who's listening to this, they're probably saying, why isn't he mentioning this thing? Look, I don't know about all of that. The fact that I am not deeply involved in the SCA, that I kind of come in and out of it, is not really a sign of how much I like it. It's really a sign of just, I cannot, I don't have enough time to adopt that kind of lifestyle. <laughs> uh, that's what it comes down to. And if I could, if I had a second, a whole second life I could live, I might spend it doing SCA stuff. Do you know if it's limited to just Western Europe or is it like it medieval time periods? of Okay. It is not. Now, most people do Western Europe, but I have seen people using Japanese. I've heard that that's gotten way more popular. And I did hear about someone. I saw no pictures or anything. So this is very, uh, I don't know much about this. Oh, and we also have a lot of, you'll have sometimes Muslim or Saracen uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. I did hear about someone doing, I think, a a pre-Columbian Jaguar warrior from the Americas mm-hmm. that was acceptable because everything was period that they set up there. I didn't see that. And so, you know, and that's been some years, so I don't know if that's still going on, but that was, no one seemed to think that that was a thing you couldn't do okay, as long so you, as you were period period yeah. is the important word. Everything's gotta be period. So you can go and you can learn. It's not just, it's oh, yes. not just something. Okay. Well, I, I can go and experience Western Europe again for the millionth time. Yeah, and I've and I've learned I've learned a lot of things there. Yeah, a lot of what they do is practical stuff. Thor Heyerdahl kind of yeah uh, experiential mm-hmm. things. But sometimes someone will say something. Oh, I picked this out from this book, and I'll think I didn't know anything about that. And then I'll go look and find out there's a whole area of research around this thing that they do, whether it's how they make their oak gall ink, or. Uh, you know, what kinds of feathers they use to s- inscribe things or why they plat- why they put their rope bed in this way rather than in that way. Uh, and some people have some really nice setups. It's actually really cool. 
it it sounds like a lot of fun. It it sounds a little overwhelming, but it does it like I'm I'm genuinely curious right now. Like I I want to go to their website and I want to see what's where's the closest event and when can I go just to see what what's new and what I can get in trouble doing, you know? Yes, right. Then there's always something going on. Uh, yeah. That is true. There's always I would say every weekend. I I would maybe like Christmas weekend or something. Uh, mm-hmm. There might not be, but actually, I don't know. I'll bet that I will bet you that there are kingdoms that have Yule feasts on Christmas or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, my last question: mm-hmm. How is this different from LARPing? So, LARPing, which those who are not initiated, is live action role playing. L A R P LARPing. It's different in the way that it's different from those Civil War reenactors. So, LARPing, there's a kind of adventure you're going on. You are playing out a game to a particular end, right? This is Mm -hmm. totally free form. There's no points. Honestly, the way that it works is like, so if you fought in in combat and you didn't win, the point is, I mean, obviously you're trying to win, but the point is not to win. The point is to have fun out there fighting with your sword or, or in the yeoman competition, shooting, you know, doing archery or that kind of thing. And so there isn't so much about winning or completing a mission. There's no storyline that you're doing in most cases. You're just kind of living. It's like as if you live in a medieval village, a weirdly eclectic medieval village where people from all over the world happen to happen to live there. So can I speak in modern English to the people at the event? Oh, or yes. Do I have to yes. adopt a certain cadence? No. No, most people do speak pretty much modern English. There are a few, you'll find a lot of early modernisms creeping in. You'll hear when you're addressing groups, they're usually addressed as uh, lords and ladies, uh, this kind of thing. So there'll be a lot of things which you'll suddenly hear people using, usually kind of early modern English, or occasionally you'll hear people like doing song. like there's a lot of musicians and they'll do their songs maybe in Latin or or some other medieval language. But yeah, you can speak English normally like you do. Well, my cynical hard shell has been cracked. So <laughs> I think I might go to one of these things eventually. It is it is twice as nerdy as you think it is and is also twice as fun as you think it is. Well, that's that's kind of right up my alley. So yeah, expect, expect me to go and on a future podcast, expect notes to be brought back. <laughs> okay, great. So... <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll have to go with someone who has been there before. I don't know if I'll go uh, alone. I definitely want to go now. So you and I happen to live in the same kingdom. Oh, we do? Yes. Okay. And so maybe sometime you and me and Engineer Mike can uh, gather ourselves together and go to some kingdom event. Yes, let's do that then. So I already gave one of my recommendations. Why don't I give a second one and then you can do yours? Yes, let's do that. Okay, so, of course, I recommend my blog post, mostly because it was my initial response. And then I want to recommend a book which is not about the SCA. Uh, It is Formal Combats in the 14th Century, but it's by Steve Mulberger. And Stephen Mulberger, yes, he's a great scholar, but he was also, actually is also, I shouldn't say was, he's still alive, and is still very active in the SCA. He's extremely active, extremely well-known. Um, when I didn't know him yet, I remember going to some early SCA events and people asking me if I knew him, but they would use, I cannot remember it now. Hey, they would use his, his SCA name and sometimes they wouldn't know his other name. And only after time, like, why are people asking about this guy? (laughs) 
And finally, I figured out who it was and found out that I did know him. We have published a book by him. And so his formal combats in the 14th century is, of course, a formal is a, a study of formal combats in the 14th century. But it isn't just academic. This is a guy who has done for many, many formal combats himself, mm-hmm. done them in period style. And so there's a lot of he doesn't. I don't think in the book he talks about his experiences there, but they certainly inform it. So there's, he never would write anything that he couldn't back up from experience or at the very least that his experience would, would contradict. He's basically Ernest Hemingway just for the 14th century. That's right. So yeah, Steve (laughs) Mulberger's formal combats in the 14th century. I highly recommend that. Very much so. Yes. So how about you, Nina? What do you have to recommend? Uh, Okay. So I've got one serious recommendation and a very, very silly one. The first recommendation is my silly one, The Pyramid Collection. Um, I'm going to describe The Pyramid Collection not in sentences, but in words, phrases, and clauses. Uh, New Age, or Newage, uh, as it's also called. Wicca. Magic with a K. Crushed Velvet, Drop Sleeves, Cascading and Billowing, Lace Chokers, Some Say Tacky, I Say Yeah, Tacky, but in a way that a teenage girl who saw the craft a hundred times would appreciate Tacky. I've been wanting something from the Pyramid Collection since I was 13 years old, and it came in catalog form, not Cadillac form, but catalog (laughs) form. But I never pulled the trigger because once I was an adult and had the money that the 13-year-old girl inside me was drowned out by the financially responsible 30-something that said, don't spend 30 or don't spend $70 on a poison ring. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. Just go look at the prices of some of the stuff on there. It's absolutely ridiculous. Wow. Aside from the poison ring, there's a section just for black dresses, all of which are exactly what I think I would have worn when I was 13, but would have chickened out and changed into something else before I went to school. It, it They're absolutely ridiculous. Gentle, gentle listeners, if I can interrupt for one moment. <laughs> I don't... I know none of you possibly know Nina, but I... The only thing I vision envision Nina as as a teenager is Daria uh, from the MTV That's the nicest cartoon. thing you've ever said to me, by the it way. It is absolutely true. She is a, an extremely Daria person. So. Yes. And, and the movement between Daria and Pyramid Collection, it seems far, but I can see it's not a, it's not a big it's, pivot. It's really not. Not, yeah. not for me. There's also an adult section which has oh, a, my. yeah, there's a lot of paraphernalia that is magic themed. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> I won't read off anything there. Don't worry. But if anyone buys me anything from this site, please buy me the blue crushed velvet cape. It's $90, which is why I'm not buying it myself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it's what I want to wear after my next birthday, which is in June, by the way. When I finally reach the age where uh, I am no longer desirable and I need to retreat from society and become the swamp witch that I am meant to be. So, yes, this beautiful, billowing, crushed velvet, blue, magic with the K, crushed velvet cape. Please buy it for me. Uh, so the Pyramid Collection. Yeah, I have some good news from you for you. What's that? One of the best parts about getting old is... You legitimately don't care what other people think. I exactly. That's and you why. are twenty years away at the most from <laughs> just wearing capes everywhere. Unironically. I can't wait. 
Yes. I'm just I'm swinging my arms around now because I can't wait for this cape now. <laughs> but anyway, so the second the second uh, recommendation I have a little bit more serious, but just as fun is Nova Roma. Nova Roma, like the SCA, uh, Nova Roma is also a nonprofit. From their site, it's an international organization dedicated to the study and restoration of ancient Roman culture. That sentence may have given you heart failure right now because. A big part of ancient Roman culture was, of course, slavery. Slavery, yes. Yes. Such a big part that I recently was trying to research something. I couldn't figure it out because they had so many different types of slave. I couldn't figure out the distinction that was being made in something I was reading and never did figure it out. Yes, exactly. So when I I went to this and I, I saw their mission statement, I went, uh... I, I don't I don't think this is such a good thing. However, uh, I, I did a little bit more research into their site just to make sure this was something that I could recommend. And no, they are not pro-slavery. They are very anti-slavery. <laughs> well, Thank God. Well, that's good to hear. Yes, it is. And they are also very anti the subjugation of women too, because also uh, Roman Bronze Age Roman women and were not allowed to vote, own property, hold office, anything like that. On their site, they want to focus on promoting the ideas of Roman religion, the polytheism, civic life, and law through education, much like the SCA. However, where they go a bit away from the SCA is that they claim sovereignty so they can live as ancient Romans. Is this a sovereign citizens movement situation? Kind of, yes. Do they not pay taxes? Is it that kind of thing? No, they still do. I'm reading through their declaration, and this is from their declaration. We, the Senate and people of New Rome, in order to restore the foundations of Western civilization, declare the founding of Nova Roma as a sovereign nation. We manifest Nova Roma as an independent world nation and republic with its own legal constitution and lawful government with all international rights and responsibilities that such carries, or that status carries. We recognize the modern political realities which make the restoration of such ancient lands to us impossible. So they're a little realistic. Therefore, we limit our active territorial claim to a, an amount of land at least equal to that held by the sovereign state of Vatican City, 108 contingent acres. On this land, a world capital for the administration of our culture will be founded in the form of a Forum Romanum. The exact site for this new Roman government or governmental and spiritual capital is to be determined. So, yeah, and again, reading through their FAQ page, they are kind of serious about this whole sovereignty movement. I think I might have to start my own kingdom now. (laughs) I've, I've, if you get away with it, and that's not a lot of land. I mean, that, I mean that's a lot yeah. of land, but it's not that much land that to claim for yourself. And whether other nations recognize you or not, as long as, in this case, I live in the U.S., as long as the United States government doesn't come mess with you, uh, what's the difference if you say to say you're lit, you are a sovereign or not? I guess if you're paying taxes to the U.S., but maybe if I pay taxes, but in the check, in the memo line, I write tribute that I might yeah. be get away with it and still claim to be sovereign, <laughs> just paying tribute to them so that I don't get invaded. Sure. I mean, I, I don't see any previous sovereignty movements having got away with that before. But you know what? What the hell? You know, we're currently in the South, and I heard that there was a sovereignty movement that happened down here. Oh, that's oh. right. The yes, big and it one. Didn't, it didn't yeah, work out didn't so work. well. Right, oh, so. 
you know. Uh, I'm still waiting. The South will rise again, just not today, I suppose. Another coincidence or another thing they had in common with big Ro- or the Romans, they also had slavery. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. So what you're saying is I have to have slavery to have my own kingdom? Mm, please don't. <laughs> it seems like a lot of trouble. Like, I have enough yes. trouble with the markets that we have without dealing with markets that talk back. Mm. I like my commodities silent. Silent and, you know, not human life, please. Well, another another fine, fine episode for us, Nina. It and is, now let yes. the hate mail flow in from oh, SCAers who are upset that I might have gotten something wrong, which I probably did. If you were to take on any craft in the SCA, what would you take on? So for my own for my own development as a scholar, it would definitely be the scribal stuff. Yeah. Uh, that would definitely be the craft that I would take on just for my own interest. I'm actually really interested. I would love to do some blacksmithing mm-hmm. and there are other groups that actually really focus on blacksmithing on refining metals and this kind of thing. And I'm interested in that, not in the scholarly way, but just in a sense of it's a thing that I've always thought I would like to know more about. So, uh, probably I would do the responsible thing and get interested in, uh, in the scribal stuff, there's a chance that I might also then branch out and do some kind of blacksmithing. I'm, I'm not like those guys tend to be a lot stronger than I am too. I'm not a total weakling, but you know, to, to do medieval style blacksmithing, it's helps to be strong of arm. That's true. It does. So what, if you went, which I'm hoping that we can gather you and engineer Mike to mm-hmm. go for an adventure at some point, uh, is there something that particularly interested you out of what we talked about? Well, you know, I'm a writer too. Uh, I want to do some writing, but secondary, I would probably go into the performance arts. I saw that they had acting and other kind of performancey type things there too. I mean, if I were, if, I mean, if I were myself in that time period, I, we all know I wouldn't have lived to adulthood being one a female into a redhead. I would have been beheaded <laughs> as a witch. Oh, it depends where you live. Well, you know, I I couldn't even live to be a swamp witch. I would have been left as a baby. But no, I I would have been something like that. I I think I'm interested in that. All right. Well, that sounds good. We will have to look into it. And uh, hopefully, if you're listening to this in the far distant future, there might be one or many subsequent podcasts on, on the subject after we have some adventures with the SEA. Yep. I look forward to it. And if you're in the SCA and want us to come to your particular event and you're not too far away from the Southeast United States, uh, drop us a line. Uh, Maybe we can come. We got our email in our show notes. All right. Anything else for the good good of the cause? Uh, Look forward to seeing you at an SCA event near you. All right. Great. West through Hall, Nina. West through Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerdkidden studios. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Our music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinry. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash popmedieval. Thank you for listening. You know, and the dumb thing about that is there's nothing medieval about putting a, putting a thing in your mouth and biting off of it. Uh, <laughs> hey! Like, that's not how they... <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that before in the podcast, haven't we? That's it's a very Roman thing right. to do. Right, 
they, if they had something, you had to tear off a piece and, and the, yes, to, to put the to morsel, put a big turkey leg in your mouth and bite it. It was gross. Yeah, I know. I just trying to imagine a medieval person going to that and being like, oh, the modern times people have become so degenerate. Yeah. I don't know where they get this giant bird from, but they shouldn't be putting the whole leg in their mouth. <laughs> it's revolting. Yes. This time it's not the peasants who are revolting. It's the moderns. Thank you.